0: This episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner.
1: And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this surprise round, we are visiting the city at the edge of the Kingdom as we discuss journeys through the Radiant Citadel. And joining
0: us for this episode is our returning champion from Tribality, BrandisStoddard.com. You'll never guess who it is. And beyond, it's Brandis Stoddard!
2: Howdy, howdy. Glad to be here tonight.
0: And also, in a glorious return, former host of the Dice Monkey cast that was right here on the Tome Show way back in the day, joining us from the distant past. We we time-traveled and and plucked him out of of, uh, the days of yore. It's the Dice Monkey himself, Mark Meredith. Welcome back, sir.
3: Thank you! Glad to be here.
0: It has been a minute.
3: Yeah, it has. I looked back and it's been about 10 years, I think.
0: Oh, jeez. Holy yeah. cow. I know I've we've, we've tried to make something work in the past, but this whole Eastern Time, Pacific Time yeah. t- tends to, to throw a wrench in the works. So,
2: And we got old in the meantime. How'd that happen? Right. Exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think I probably had hair last time we recorded. I think so, yeah. yeah.
1: So... In this episode, in addition to talking about how old we all are now, <laughs> uh, we are discussing Journeys to the Radiant Citadel, the latest adventure anthology from Witches of Coast created to specifically give a diverse collection of freelance game designers a shot at creating stories from different perspectives. As a reminder, in the Surprise Round episodes, uh, we are, get our first impressions of a book out very quickly after the book's released and sometimes before, with the understanding that we probably haven't done a deep read through and we definitely haven't played it and then if needed we'll revisit the book later after it's been out a while and have a chance to dig deeper
0: all right before we do dig into it I want to remind folks that if you support the show you or you can support the show by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash the show um, the support of the patrons helps me pay the bills and keep the show going now on to journeys through the radiant citadel and in full disclosure I think are all of us working from review copies I believe Yes. Yeah. Okay. none of us paid for this book so there's your full disclosure alright so uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel is is a book with a bunch of adventures in it
2: yeah I mean it's certainly not the first anthology we've seen uh, it's in fact the fourth anth- anthology we've seen uh, you've got Yawning Portal Ghost of Saltmarsh, Can I Keep Mysteries and now to the Radiant Citadel.
0: Yeah, in fact, honestly, I like the fact that that's where we're at. Um, you know, when when I had one anthology book, it was like, well, this is of limited use to me. But what, when I have four anthology books, it's like, okay, my characters are, my players are kind of at this level. And now I have a selection of options of sort of supplemental side quest things. Which one of these is going to work for my current campaign that I can just sort of throw in, you know? Um,
2: Um, Well, it it also means we're getting even more variation in pure structure of adventure. Mm -hmm. I think that's great to
3: see. Mm -hmm. And I was asked over on TikTok um, by somebody if there was any player options inside. I don't think there is. So I was like, no, this is just A bunch of adventures, which is really nice because it means that players won't feel obligated to pick this up. Like it's cool if they do, but like they aren't going to be obligated because there's nothing in here specifically for them.
0: Well, and I think that's been the 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 format for the anthology books. There was nothing for
2: players in Ghost Assault Marsh had backgrounds. Yeah, okay. Ghost
0: Assault Marsh had had some back, but backgrounds are relatively small player options to be picking. They really are. Yeah. So I think I think that's been the norm, is that these anthology books are purely DM-facing books. Um, in this case, is there one of those that you think particularly is a good comparison?
2: I mean, in terms of the book structure, it most resembles um, probably Candlekeep Mysteries to me.
0: That's sort of my, my instinct as Be- well.
2: Because – the, the framing of central location you go out from that location on your adventures mm-hmm. is the most similar um, though some of the Candlekeep mysteries you didn't I think leave Candlekeep completely um, and, and well and Ghosts of Saltmarsh
0: kind of started to do that but it wasn't a perfect fit because um, they were republishing old adventures and converting them to fifth ed so it was a little bit different and some of them didn't connect to Saltmarsh quite as clearly
3: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and then yawning portal. The yawning portal itself isn't really even a framing device, except for a place to tell stories. It's There's not, not it's really not even a conceit. You start at the yawning portal.
0: Yeah, it's not an in-character framing device. It's sort of a a meta framing device for the people reading nope. the book.
3: Well, and, and not only this, but this book is in a completely brand new location that we've never seen anything about before, whereas the other ones were all yes. previous locations that we had spent a bit of time yep. in.
0: And I think yeah. that's an important point, right?
2: Um, and, and honestly, the Radiant Citadel itself is an incredibly exciting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it you know very much stands alongside um, Sigil and mm-hmm. uh, Union, if you ever read the Epic Level Handbook, um, <laughs> and uh, maybe sort of your Gloomrod, your, your Tunarath, those mm. major cosmic yeah. cities. Uh, like this is this is a big kid location on a, on a cosmic level to me, and I think that's awesome. Like yeah, yeah. Th- that's w- how I most want to play with using the book. Like this is a utopian location and uh, Ajit George's explanation of why the Radiant Citadel is designed that way is a a pretty important Twitter read to me. Mm. Um, But that still gives it a lot of space to be in conflict with any of those other cosmic cities. And I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little... Like, it's, you're not wrong that it's a, uh, an important and interesting cosmic sort of city. Um, it also feels unique compared to, like, Sigil, right? Sigil is sort of the hub of, of the, the planes, right? And it is the city of doors, and it connects to everything and everywhere. Whereas the Radiant Citadel very explicitly sort of just connects to these, what is it, 15 worlds? Um, so so there are ways to travel back and forth between the Radiant Citadel and 15 very specific worlds who have then come together to sort of govern the city of the Radiant
2: Citadel as well. But it's also in the Ethereal Plane, right? Right. Like, that's right. And so if you can get to the Ethereal, you can sure. somehow get here.
3: Oh, no. Which then ties into Spelljammer, which is coming out soon. Right. But you could very easily throw this into a Spelljammer campaign and have you know your ship head to the Radiant Citadel and it would be pretty cool.
2: And the sort of multiversal story they're interested in telling now is very much served by interstitial locations. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was very... This is the, the first time I think we've had a wholly new location be this important i think in a in a book like some of the candle keep mysteries specific adventures had unique new locations um
2: but in 5e yes
0: yeah yeah that's what i mean yes
2: i think, I think you'd have to go back to gloom to get to this level right, right? Which,
0: which missed 5e by that much
2: yeah, yeah 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 so so
0: that i i find that to be interesting
1: and isn't it kind of important, given what it, the book is trying to do in some ways, that it's a new location? Because, mm-hmm. like, there's often this conversation about, oh, yeah. like, do we have uh, folks that come from these backgrounds work within existing stuff, or do we have to build brand new for them? Mm-hmm. And we, we tried, I think, in finding a little bit of, of both, but the problem is it's so hard with some of the baggage that comes with the existing areas where... Um, uh, you know, humans of, of different colors, for instance, might have come from in in that lore. Often, there's a lot of baggage. Where here, they don't have to worry about the baggage. They don't have to try to argue against anything. They can just present their ideas.
2: Absolutely. And
0: I and honestly, I was a I was a little concerned going into it that being wholly new, being a location I'd never heard of, going to 15 worlds that I'd never, you know that that were previously. Undescribed in the game, Um, I was a little worried about how well it would fit and how well it would gel with sort of the what is D and D right before pre-recording. We were talking about the D and D movie and how D and D is its own sort of genre, has its own tropes, uh, you know what have you, Uh, and so it's it's important to have diverse perspectives. But how much is it going to feel like D and D? As well, and as I was actually pleasantly surprised that a lot of the adventures are written with a little blurb at the beginning of "Hey, here's some ways that you could fit this into your game." And if you were playing in Greyhawk, you could stick this city in that location. If you were playing the Forgotten Realms, you could put it there. And so there was explicit effort to make it clear: No, 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 this this is functional within. The, the tropes of D&D, even as it comes from different perspectives, even as it it plays into different tropes than uh, are sort of the standard uh, Western civilization tropes of D&D. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh,
2: right. I, I do really like how they want to help you place it in other settings, um, as well as uh, help you come from the Radiant Citadel as... Yeah, your core setting. I think that's wonderful.
0: Mm. I see, uh, uh, Brandis, you've responded. Eric in the chat on the stream was asking if there, when we were talking about player-facing options and what have you, if there were new magic items. I also haven't run into anything. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised as I dig deeper if some, some of the adventures are like, here's a specific magic item tied to this adventure or whatever, but I haven't run into it. There's certainly not like a magic item
2: section I think I almost wish that uh, the Radiant Citadel had a new background or two written up for it, because the shield bearers mm. sound awesome right. and there would be a, a fun background. Does it need it? I mean, no. Mm-hmm. You're, you're an adventurer, go go be an adventurer at it is enough. Like you, you came from somewhere else before you were a shield bearer, that's still your background, is sufficient. right? Um, but it would be a neat background to, to have. Right. Um, I mean, I, I do want to mention my my very favorite individual character in the whole book, uh, Cholet. Um, right. She's great because she's uh, a, a very deliberate, specific reference to Christian Avasarala from The Expanse.
0: Which is a uh, series I'm not super familiar with. I watched several oh. episodes of the Amazon uh, Prime series. but
2: fair, fair enough. The character's name is a nod to Shari Agdeshlu. Okay. The hmm. uh, actress who plays Krishna And her physical description and some of her like, attitude fit. Sure, she's... As far as anyone has ever proven, Shari Agdeshlu is not a brush dragon. But... <laughs> Drews up, Drews up. Right on.
0: So it sounds like we generally like the framing device of the Radiant Citadel, the, the location, the setting. Um, do you think this is a question from Matt B on the on the Discord? Um, do you think you could see setting a game centrally located in the in the Radiant Citadel itself? Is is the Radiant Citadel interesting enough to you to be an adventure location?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, I would go so far as to write the um, ads that the players hear in the elevators as they go through the citadel. <laughs> this is my favorite. You know, I, I'm Commander Shepard. This is my fa- favorite shop in the Radiant Citadel. What's the problem?
3: <laughs> I have. I, uh, um, I tend to place a lot of my games. They end up going multiversal pretty quickly, even if I wasn't meaning to. Like, my Out of the Abyss. Campaign turned into a multiverse hopping <laughs> campaign, um, so it's definitely a place that I'll end up spending a lot of time with. Because like I, I my players always end up spending a lot of time in Sigil and and places like that. So um, now that we've got this location, absolutely, it's it. I, you know, I'll, I'll probably only use one or two of the adventures, just you know, based on when they end up at the Citadel and what level they are and things like that. But I'm going to be grabbing stuff from it pretty regularly
2: I think Yeah, I've be- definitely been thinking about um, introducing all of this to my homebrew setting um, which has very little broader canon crossover except that the PCs have now heard of Tunerath um, but like introducing the Radiant Citadel seems pretty reasonable and doable um, it, you know, it would be a while before the PCs showed up there because it's a setting that doesn't know a lot about um, like the rest of the cosmos um, they're fairly locked off but uh, that's a that's a way to get into the broader cosmos that I'd really enjoy I think
0: mm-hmm. so so it sounds like we like we particularly like the the framing device, the setting. I, I also feel like anytime I'm reading about a setting, I want to be inspired to tell stories in that setting, which is going to require a level of, you know, conflict and, and, uh, interesting things going on and, and, you know, organizations and people and what have you. And the radiant Citadel kind of has those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, with um, the, the, was it the Keening? Keening gloom. Yeah, thank you. It was in the script. We even talked about it—the uh, keening gloom and the different factions uh, that are involved, um, like and, and this this giant shining diamond in the middle of the city that that impales these these landforms through the middle of the city um, that is completely indestructible and yet has been hollowed out in in different parts. Like, there's a lot of interesting things, you know. F- Finding out the history of how that was done and the, the threat of the Keening Gloom and um, all the – like there's a lot going on that is – a there's a, it, there are stories to be told in the Radiant Citadel and it, it makes me think that if I had any complaint, it was that I, I wish there was an adventure in the Radiant Citadel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the – Maybe some a, 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 something to, an outline or something that framed together sort of what was going on in the city between these excursions out to these other locations. Uh, I don't
2: know. I mean, there's a there's a collection of hooks for it, right? Um, it, it's a, a D four table of uh, Radiant Citadel adventure hooks. Um, so they haven't done the heavy lifting, but there's some some concepts okay. thrown out. Um, I also gotta say the the aesthetic of the dawn incarnates is r- real top-notch yeah they are really cool
1: um yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, those
2: are the the crystal things
1: yeah. Tracy, i was gonna say one of the things along with what Jeff was saying um is not necessarily about the the incarnates um but the dawn incarnates but uh i don't know how many of you folks have Participating in the discussion, but for a long time, when we were trying to talk about, like, hey, you know, could we have a setting that maybe doesn't have a lot of built in sexism and stuff like that? And everyone's always like, well, where will the conflict come from? So I'm <laughs> happy to hear Chad say that, like, he feels there's enough conflict to, have to tell a, a fulfilling story, <laughs> even without all of that others, like we have an egalitarian society and everything, right? And, and mm. yet there's still a gasp conflict uh, and things yeah. like that.
2: Right. Okay. Uh, Uh, as George described it as a fragile utopia and that's Mm -hmm. something worth defending Mm -hmm. and that's really cool yeah Uh, but there's also just a a lot of people and they're going to have friction and you can help protect this place just by working out that friction
0: yeah there's there's been a part of me for for many years that have sort of Played with the idea of a Stargate inspired campaign, mm-hmm. where the players could jump from from world to world, and that way I could kind of use all of my different setting lore and and, and things that I you know, adventures that I own from different editions and different settings and whatever. Uh, and this this location and this and this collection of adventures kind of like provides you the framework for that in a lot of ways, right? You don't have the infinite multiverse out there. You don't have uh, all of the planes to explore, um, but you have a a very clearly and specifically connected series of worlds with. In your, you know, you're leaving from a central hub. Like there are, I could totally yeah. do my my the, my Stargate campaign using the Radiant Citadel, and every single one of these adventures would be part of it.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of mystery too. Going back to your thing about the hollowed out diamond, and there's also the the dead dawning incarnate right? and nobody knows what it was for or how it, if I recall yep. I correctly reading through it real quick that they don't know what, what it is or how it happened but it, it is
2: when there's right. well, like 15 more missing groups or something yeah so there's a ton of space for just uh, our whole our whole campaign is each adventure we go get one more of the band back together
0: hmm and, and we, we've mentioned the the Don Incarnate a few times. The, and the incarnates are an interesting concept in that the idea is that um, a spirit is contained within a crystal. And then a, a bunch of these crystals come together in the form of... Some sort of creature they are, you know, they're kind of floating generally in the form of, of you know, a, a, some sort of, of animal or whatever. Um, and all of those spirits are still separate, and they're still separate personalities, and they're still separate intellects. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting was that, like, there's one sort of dominant personality, but they can, they can switch. So I could totally see a a situation of oh the the PCs need to learn some bit of information, and they know that this person way back in the past knew this bit of information, but they're gone now. Ah, oh, but their spirit is said to be part of the incarnate, uh, you know, that that hangs out in this place or whatever. And so then you have to convince that that spirit to become the dominant personality in that incarnate uh you know what quest are they going to send you on to get that information you need and and they they look really cool too i'm trying to for the stream folks i'm going to hold up a picture Um, yeah
1: and they help pick the the leaders right did i remember that correctly I think you misremembering. I I, I, I believe you, but
2: um, yes, as uh, is the
0: premise of the of the yep, show, deep, I haven't done a deep read, so I don't so, remember. So, enough.
2: speakers for the ancestors, uh, page thirteen. The um, speakers for the ancestors are the ruling body of the Radiant Citadel. Candidates are chosen through an election among the diaspora of the people they represent. Once a candidate has been elected, they must face the fifteen founding dawn incarnates and pass their tests. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that's. Uh, Sort of, um, a thesis defense, and sometimes it's a quest kind of thing.
1: And I thought that was pretty interesting. And I okay, I'm probably gonna get this term wrong. Is it the trill in Star Trek mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. have the yeah? yeah. It this kind of it's... yeah, kind of reminded me of that a little bit too. And I thought it was kind of cool that way too.
3: Yeah. I also like how the the Citadel is. Um, a utopia like there, there isn't any like there doesn't seem to be any major direct conflict so it's the type of place that you can have everybody at peace and then yep. bring discord into it mm-hmm. for um, for an interesting adventure hook whereas like you know if you go to Sigil or anywhere else like there's gonna be like oh look at all this sneaky intrigue that's going around everybody expects that Oh yeah, everything's terrible in Yeah. Whereas setting everything up is like, look how perfect everything is. Nothing bad ever happens here. Isn't this great? And then something goes bad.
1: Dropping things like a speaker for the ancestor, if they leave for more than 30 days or die or something, and 30 days passes without anyone being elected, stuff starts dying.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's set up perfectly for bad things to happen so that the heroes can show up and be heroes. It's great.
2: But also, I, I like that there it, it talks about the structures that are in place to keep things good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, both in terms of defense against external threat, which is which is cool because like honestly, if you if you're running a radiant citadel campaign and you don't at some point have a scene that amounts to um, the deep space nine station defending itself. <laughs> uh, uh, against external attack, you've it's missed Yankee a really good scene.
3: dragons and attacking.
2: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, because like, let's be real. It's a space station campaign. Yeah.
3: It's, it's a, it's and D space station. Yeah. Go now. I um, want to write an entire adventure around the promenade.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't bring in uh spell it still has a lot of the, uh, conceits of a space station campaign. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, it also talks about how the, the tax structure is intended to uh, like reduce wealth disparity and h- handle injustice that way. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they've put real effort into sustaining that utopia, and that both gives you like the things the bad guys have to erode to cause a problem, or 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 the pain points right depending
3: <laughs> yeah by setting all these different defenses then when you watch the defenses falling one by one and you're going oh no you know if all if all these dominoes collapse then we're in big trouble it's the perfect right. entry point for a a really interesting adventure there
0: well and one has to to you know uh, a utopia is at least in my head uh, built on a a Relatively fragile balance, and how easy is it to to disrupt that balance and really and really threaten the utopia? So, mm-hmm. uh, so for fear of turning this into uh, an episode of Edition Wars, uh, we've now spent twenty six <laughs> minutes talking about the first seventeen pages, and they yeah. are seventeen great pages. But uh, so
2: so yeah, um, the adventures deserve a lot of note too. Uh, because each each adventure is two things, it's both an adventure and a few pages of gazetteer for that micro setting. Mm-hmm. Because they're all micro settings, mm-hmm. like they might be, you know, three to ten towns is, is what I'm generally seeing.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't get a description uh, generally of the world that the adventure is located on, but you do get sort of the region around where the the adventure takes place
3: yeah and not only that but then um like we were talking about earlier every single one of the adventures tells you where to place it in other established settings Mm. which is pretty cool
1: yeah uh, a lot of them have at least a flavor of like potentially have a flavor of a more like our world place right but right. they're not necessarily it doesn't pin it to that place and what i found really nice about it is, is it, we didn't just get the one setting that's asian influenced mm, like pan-asian right. we've got multiple from different distinct areas right. within our world asia that you know you can compare and contrast a little bit um which is also a frequent you know critique of a, a lot of um Of of, uh, past attempts to try to to do something beyond uh, Western Europe.
3: Yeah, and like um, Sins of Our Elders, which is the sixth level adventure, Mm -hmm. that one is Korean themed in that all the names of the characters are Korean. It has a lot of themes that um, are central to a lot of Korean folklore and things like that. Um, The clothing styles are all Korean. So yeah, they're specifically tying things into very specific cultures, rather than the more offensive ones that have existed in the past. Right.
2: Um, I, I really love that in uh, the Fiend of Hollow Mind. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm uh, I'm as Anglo as it comes, but I've watched Coco, and so I get all the references. It's great. <laughs> Um, I, I have just enough knowledge to feel really, I don't know, glad to see things that I that are already familiar, mm-hmm. um, but uh, not, nothing in here is so unfamiliar as to put me off, Yeah. right? And you know, f- feel how you feel about that, I guess, but man, I love this book and I'm yeah. excited to use it, so it can't be bad.
0: It is a every adventure that I've I've you know I've obviously I've skimmed through them all and I've done a little bit deeper read into some of the beginning ones uh, specifically oddly enough around the fourth to sixth level area I was reading very carefully because uh, that's where my players currently are so I was seeing if there was anything I could rip out and use right now um, but but all of them are they all benefit from the goal which was the these different. Uh, and diverse perspectives, right? That you can, they they all feel different enough than what we've seen uh, in, in that they're clearly inspired by non-Western um, culture, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that's obvious and and uh, intentional. And yet at the same time, I haven't read any of them where it was like, well, this feels different in that it doesn't fit, right? Every single right. one of them like seamlessly still feels like just a differently inspired D anD um, A lot of them I read through. Like, oh, like I don't know that I can use all of this, but this is a cool like structure or idea for an adventure. Like, I could I could play with that. Um, you know. So, I'm I was impressed with what I've looked at so far.
2: Yeah. One of the ones I wanted to call out. Um, I feel like we're, it was a previous uh, surprise round read where we talked about the. Like long tradition of having the first level adventure be a market festival, uh, or you you play a bunch of games in a festival, and the 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 first level adventure Salted Legacy, is that, except that there's a structural wrinkle that gives it more stakes and meaning, mm. and I really like that.
0: Well, and and um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but and I very well could be. There is a market, and there are games going on, but right. but it's not necessarily assumed that the bulk of what you are doing is playing a bunch of games. There's like, what, three right. games that you can possibly, if you're interested in, get involved in it, but that doesn't necessarily help you.
2: So, so, s- so structurally, for- it's actually really cool. It is an alternate path to picking up all the clues. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you build up Renown, and... If you build up renown uh, high enough, people will trust you with more information. That, like I think, at renown three, you can short circuit a lot of the later uh, need to investigate Mm -hmm. and just oh, I guess I know who I guess I know who the bad guy is now, or where I need to do more digging. So, like if you fail a bunch of the games, there's still a path forward. Right. It doesn't break the adventure. And when I first read it, I missed that. Mm -hmm. So. I was glad to go back and see, oh no, nope, that's that's very well solved for here. If you didn't play the games or failed all of them or whatever, you you still can go forward in the adventure. This is just an alternate path and that's yeah. really nice.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, and and that's that's where I'm saying it's it's different than a lot of the yeah. other, you know, it's different than the the Call of the Netherdeep. That's where we talked about it before. There you um, go. And yep. it's, and it's different than, than Wild Beyond the Witchlight uh, in that you could just, like, it's not like there's a big carnival going on. It, it's a market and there are some games that people play in the market or whatever, right. as I recall. Uh, and if you want to p- go play some games, you can. But if you want to completely ignore that and that's not what you're into... Um, you can do that too. And I th- yeah, I think that was, that's and well done. That's,
1: I think it's a good way to help folks understand that the the story doesn't have to be linear, right? Like, you gain this renown by doing something that has nothing to do with mm. the the rest of the, the story, quote unquote. Um, and so you're, sometimes... You're said
2: to do it to gain the renown to pursue the investigation.
1: Right. Sometimes just playing, this, playing an adventure and having us telling a story together is the point. Yeah. Yeah. um that, that's actually my favorite section so far mainly because i could just see right away how to really kind of bring it to life mm-hmm. um and, and have those different people who are are they're just competitors in a market
3: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, that's where the conflict kind of comes from mm-hmm. and, and the and the, the tricks that are happening
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh that's it. It's just a nice story,
2: a nice way to spend some hours with friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the so the interesting thing about that structurally is that uh, again on a structural level, this could just run in Radiant Citadel zero problems mm. uh, because it is just um, a lot of social interaction in a market. Uh, including a, you know, combat-based contest. This could just run in the Radiant Citadel, and it's fine. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't use the the micro setting here. It's it's lovely. It's great. Um, everybody loves a good night market. Just uh, you've got options, mm-hmm. and that's neat. But I'm excited about how this book is experimenting with adventure structure, and you know, more of that, please. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I always find it like one of my... One of the things I've really enjoyed is that... And, and they're experimenting with adventure structure here. But 5th edition design has been such that they've been kind of trying different things with adventure structure throughout mm-hmm. the edition. Um, the thing that drives me a little crazy about it is that they oftentimes don't... Like, they experiment, they try something... Kind of worked, and then it doesn't work anymore, or they just don't do it anymore, even though it did work, or what? You know, yeah. you know. There are yeah. some instances like, uh, what was it, Storm King's Thunder, where the flow chart, the adventure flow chart, was really smart and worked really well, and people liked it, and so now they keep putting flow charts in every adventure. Just but, a line, but the flow charts are all just a line. <laughs> it's like, well, then what's the point? <laughs> but you know, so they, they they got the wrong message there. Like like, I appreciate the experimentation. Um, let's stick with it but in this case like an anthology style is the perfect place to do little experiments like that and try new things and, and it's perfect a place for us as as players to to you know use that experiment the way it's intended right hey this is a different structure let's try it out maybe I'll love it maybe I won't but, but I, I'm only dedicated to it for one adventure so it's not it's not a, a huge loss if I don't like it you know
3: Well, and it's super helpful for um, DMs Guild designers because then they can see a new structure that maybe they haven't seen before. And we may end up getting a bunch of brand new market, you know, adventures that are going to give us more stuff than we've seen before.
0: Now I think I think it's worth asking. Uh, we're talking about how they're experimenting with different structures, and I think Brandis, you brought that up. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you what you mean by that, or what we're talking about when we talk about how they're experimenting with different adventure structure?
2: Well, uh, what we've already said about uh, salted legacy is uh, a great example because this is an investigation to resolve a conflict between. Uh, Two people and find the the malefactor, right? Uh, it, it is not sort of a a full on uh, I don't know police procedural situation, but uh, it's not completely far off from that in concept either. And you know, having multiple different ways to gather all the clues, uh, you know, you one is through impressing people enough, and the other is through you know, doing legwork and uh, passing investigation checks and so on, like th- that's great. That's it's absolutely wonderful, um, and it lets you know the the party's strengths and sort of the the GM's preferred tone um, take the lead there mm-hmm. without just needing a totally different adventure. Um, and I feel like that uh, that renown-driven uh, investigation path would work really well as the uh, backbone of a whole campaign of sort of unfolding gothic mystery.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, you've now you've you know done this many cool things. You've you gained renown with these NPCs. Each time you gain another point of renown, they tell you a thing that unlocks a new level of understanding for you, right?
1: Um, It's
2: like I'm also thinking of it in terms of your um, sort of Mass Effect style character conversations. Um, You know, you you've completed their loyalty quest, and now you unlock a new conversation with them that you know changes things for you.
1: I was gonna say it reminds me a little bit and without being video gaming it reminds me of some of the video game stuff and the thing is, is you can take it to other levels too I like you're saying Brandis and um, it, it it helps solve that problem that particularly I think newer DMS often have which is like how do I not just tell the players everything once they've made like a couple of 15 or above roles uh, like how do I space things out so that there's actually you know, um, some time that happens between things and they just don't roll to kill what was it? Iron the from uh sorry, I'm thinking of um student's ink when it was like I roll to kill Yeah. Right on.
2: Yeah.
1: Um
0: any, any other sort of uh, things about the book that, that really raised your interest? We've talked a lot, you know, uh, you know I, I asked for examples on, on how they play with story structure, right? And, of course, a lot of our examples go back to those first few adventures because mm. we've only had the books in our hands for about a week and we've only had so much time to really dig through. Um, but any other sort of things that you remember going through this book that, that piqued your interest that, that, um, that you wanted to mention?
3: Every uh, single one of these adventures has is beautiful artwork that's super super evocative like yep. you can flip through 100%. and pause on a piece of artwork and go oh okay i want to run this like there's um i think it's like a 10th level adventure it has that um that like floating bridge that looks like a castle wall mm. um let's see it is uh, here we go um the adventure is uh, between Tangled Roots the top level adventure and over on page 140 there's this just really amazing looking bridge that's heading towards this oh yeah that's gorgeous it's really really cool
0: reminds me a little bit of the the dragon in Dragon Ball Z right kind of winding, winding its way through you run along it back right
3: but the uh,
1: 169.
3: Yeah, Night Seas Sucker. That's the one on... Yeah. Yeah. That one's really cool. Oh, there we go. Um,
2: there, there are new monsters in here that are awesome. Um, like It's great to see the return of a classic uh, if fairly obscure D&D monster, the Racks, Uh mm-hmm. Making a, an appearance here. I want to say that first showed up in some... Maybe you, Oney Forgotten Realms specific stuff. Oh wow! But uh, <laughs> it, uh, like, my wife really sort of latched onto that, and so as soon as I saw that, I had to go show her immediately, and <laughs> she was so happy.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know now. It feels like there's some new illustrators in here, but I, I I've been actually meeting since I've been looking at it to to try to like look up who all the illustrators are and see which ones have worked on other books before or not. I know,
3: I know Claudia poses has some art in here cause he was sure yeah. stuff, but yeah, Claudio has been doing stuff for forever. Like he was one of the oh. first big artists that I latched onto back in third edition that I mm-hmm. like when I first started playing.
1: And one of the things too, about the, a lot of the D and D artists these days, there are from around the world. So mm. yeah, um, the art, Maybe even before some of the writers has been you know pushing in that direction of, of diversity.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of classically white people names in here, which is which is nice. Yep.
0: Otherwise all of my NPCs end up being called Edward, so you just need to give me <laughs> give me a different list to look
3: at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that there's pronunciation guides for each mm-hmm. of the adventures. Yep. Um, because some of these I would not be able to pronounce without they're, the... They're
0: the very guy. kind to, to uh, let's say, the legacy D&D player who uh, um, has not encountered a lot of uh, diverse languages and, and mm-hmm. pronunciations. So... Any other... Uh, Things you want to mention in terms of things that raise your interest or, or um, are worth bringing up?
1: Yeah, just real oh. quick on, on the art, in addition to like more evocative art, I don't know if this is going to come out well. Yep. Um, even the portraits, a lot of them have like a lot more feeling in mm-hmm. them, yeah. um, which I really enjoy too. Yeah, uh,
2: I was just going to say that the uh, adventure summaries are uh, very. Very promising. I haven't gotten to read the um, later adventure yet, but uh, Orchids of the Invisible Mountain. Um, Adventurers must travel to the Feywild and the Far Realm. Well, you got my interest. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: In uh, Beyond the Radiant Citadel, at the very end of the book, Mm -hmm. it contains two whole other settings in there. Um, Yep that are like listen we didn't have time to get some any more adventures but here's a couple other settings that we had people write right. so that that's kind of cool because we get to see even more varied cultures
2: and as it is it is a 224 page book which is mm-hmm. not short in mm-hmm. the uh, the way that you know has been publishing
0: right yeah. and I, and i also think it's worth noting because i've noticed this in other products that there has not always been a tendency – you know, in these anthology books, they have all these different authors and each author sort of takes on a different – of the adventures in the, in the anthology and what have you. Uh, and as a result, the, the format, just the basic format, like what are the, the subsections – uh, in the beginning, that are going to introduce the book and what have you, can some could sometimes end up being a little different. Even as recently as Candlekeep Mysteries, not all of the adventures have all the same subsections introducing each adventure. Um, I have not noticed that being an issue here. So that's uh, in this case, there it seems like the the editorial job or the guidance that the authors have been given or whatever has been a lot stronger and more clear uh, to the point that all of the authors wrote adventures that. Fit the format, and so that they're all, you know, they're all unique and they're all in their own voice, but they all have at least the same subsection. So I know on each one of them, if I want a summary of what this story is going to be about, so I can decide if it's going to be useful for me to read, I know that that's going to be there on every single adventure, and that hasn't been the case in all of the anthology books.
2: um, Yep, I think there's a good chance that they we're specifically hearing that, uh, the criticism and responding to it, you know, um,
0: and it's uh, not a big criticism. I mean, no, that, that's uh, not going to stop me from enjoying literally any other adventure, but, but right, it's something it's, I noticed.
2: It, yeah. It, it doesn't have to be a, a deal breaker for them to respond to it. Right.
3: right. One Absolutely. thing I also have not been hearing from authors this time around in their anthology book is, about their adventures getting chopped up without their permission, which is nice. Because that was a big problem with the um, yeah. Candlekeep. A lot of the authors came out and were like, I didn't... There was did, whole sections did, of, that I didn't... Did that happen with even
2: a second author?
3: I only know about that happening I with... Think a, I think there was at least a couple who had come out. Okay. Uh, I know, I mean, like, one... There was one really uh, prominent one, but, I mean, maybe I'm just, like... Uh, because everybody was talking about it, maybe I was... Yeah, in my understanding
2: again. as one of the authors like no once you sell the words there's
3: somebody else's words yeah yeah but I think that probably they Wizards of the Coast was like maybe we should be more careful about this maybe. <laughs> gonna- I, I suspect that
2: they probably had a different kind of conversation with each of the, the, the writers to mm-hmm. get on the same page
0: well, yeah. and there's, I don't there's, know that,
2: but that's really right.
0: And, and there's suspect. a lot that, that I don't know. I mean, this is a book where they explicitly were seeking out diverse writers that mm-hmm. they don't have represented very well in their own staff. Yeah. Uh, and so one does have to wonder if extra care was taken to make sure that they were – Treating those writers appropriately, given that they are explicitly coming from perspectives mm-hmm. that they don't have represented on the staff, right? There could have yeah, been yeah. a lot of risk for insensitivity or whatever mm-hmm. in those communications. Um, so it it may have been handled differently. I don't know. Well, um, right,
2: and it, it's worth noting that uh, uh, Ajit George is listed as a project lead,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: yeah, among other, you know. Hats he wore in the the work here, but project lead is no joke.
1: You're right, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we have top a project, line credit. We have project lead, and then we have, and I know they've done some of this cultural consultants, and there's a narrative design consultant and a system and narrative design consultant. Mm-hmm. So, yep. a lot of folks trying to make it run smoothly, which is all the more important when you're trying to do a project like this, because if even if it's the same sort of stuff that happens in other books, if it happened here, it would be, well, this is why we can't do this type of project rather than that's just how these books end up
2: being. (laughs) Well,
0: and there's so many things that happen, you know, that you see, um, that are like, how did nobody in marketing or branding or whatever in, in all kinds of products, not just not in the gaming world. Right. There was years ago, dove had this, this ad where, um, Uh, a person of color like came in as the before and then they used the dove and then there was a happy white person afterwards. And it's like, well, how did it make How did that make it through all of the marketing people and corporate people? There wasn't a person along
3: the way who was like,
0: not a a single person looked at that and said, that's an issue. Right. (laughs) Uh, um, You know? And so it's good to have those, kinds of people with a voice at the table to be able that that feel like they have the authority to be able to point out you know the the glaring errors that may be happening that you may not even notice
3: yeah yeah absolutely
0: so uh does anybody have any anything about the book that you're skeptical about that are your critiques that you think could have been better
3: not so far um you know, maybe once I've, you know, ran a couple of adventures, you know, I'll find that they were, you know, lacking in in something. That's but,
0: always uh, the case, right? These these first impressions, uh, we can't really get much into it, right? But we might come back in five years and have a bunch of people that have run these adventures come back and, and dig into it. It's like, okay, but what actually happened when you played it? So.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah I think like that, the, uh, the Tyranny of Dragons campaign, like, I had a great time with it. And then it's only like, you know, a year later, once people have gone through it, that they're like, it's got some problems mm-hmm. yeah
2: uh, I think that the adventures I've read so far have all been uh, pretty clear structurally
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I've appreciated just like how that's going to work uh, while at the same time uh, none of them are really sort of just carve your way through the problem it'll be fine that's not It's not uh, how you achieve things here um let's see um, so I feel like a, a lot of these uh, because the Radiant Citadel is this fragile utopia like we talked about uh, a lot of the like micro settings that you leave the Radiant Citadel to see uh, are places with some more serious problems and you're very often like engaging with you know, old sins within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really interesting. That's not a, not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think that it's uh, very interesting that they are mostly not dealing with uh, threats external to the community, um, but instead, like, th- there was some old, you know, bad blood that had to be expunged uh, and that's really cool um, because it means that like these aren't colonized people.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you think it would be and you tell me if, if this is something that happens but I feel like if I was going to run a whole Radiant Citadel campaign there's a lot there to to be my starting points right um, yeah. but one of the things that would be really useful I think is if there was described ways that the adventures the things happening in the micro locations impacted things in the Radiant Citadel themselves and I don't know if yeah. that's a thing that's in there and I missed it or um, you know that, that, would, that would help tie it all together if I wanted a Radiant Citadel
2: themed campaign you know I don't know that's ever explicit, though. I think that with each of the micro-settings having a uh, speaker of the ancestors, mm-hmm. um, you've at least got a clear uh, contact point for, hey, we finished the thing on your homeworld. Um, cool, your you, your problem is solved, mm-hmm. and maybe they come back with a new quest, or maybe they. You know, maybe you gain renown with them or or whatever. That's not, as as far as I've seen, super explicit. But you know, they don't want to push you too hard into needing to run it as a full Radiant Citadel campaign. Right. Because and yet I, the adventures aren't inherently connected.
0: Right. On the I know, and ne- neither were other anthologies. And yet, I know many right. people that ran their Saltmarsh campaign.
3: Oh, for sure, so, for sure. And I can um, definitely see my players going into a um, into one of the worlds and then them being like, well, we like this world and we don't end up back <laughs> at the Radiant Citadel at all and now I have to flesh out an entire brand new world, which would be pretty cool, but yeah. Um, yeah,
2: so Saltmarsh in particular um, had a lot more... Um, like The town of Saltmarsh had a built-in... Uh, conflict and ways that was going to unfold, uh, and, and ways the PCs could like push it to unfold. That's not a thing here. Okay. Right. Um, because again, fragile utopia, salt marsh was a place on the brink all the time. And that brink was, you know, uh, open bloodshed in the town. That's not where we are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, you know, the situation that they're really trying to support.
0: Okay. And and my only other sort of uh, critique area where I I wish there was improvement, and I think it's a fairly complimentary critique, is um, people still struggle, Wizards included, apparently, with writing any adventures over level, say, 15. Um, Sure. I don't think there's what uh candle keep mysteries i think is the only book we've seen so far that goes above level 15 at all uh that Mm -hmm. i recall Um, mad mage oh yes you're right mad mage um not that that's an adventure but we'll get that's a different
2: (laughs) individual layers are still adventures sure Uh, okay
0: um but yeah, so then this one uh, tops out at level fourteen. There's a fourteenth level adventure, the Orchids of the Invisible Mountain, um, that is the, the top, the last, and the top level um, adventure in the book. Uh, and so I, you know, I I know when I've run campaigns and the campaign ends at level twelve or level fourteen or whatever, my players oftentimes want to keep playing. Um, yep. And then I then I'm on my own, and I got to make up my own stuff, uh, which is fine. But I didn't do that for the rest of the campaign, and now suddenly I do, and so it, it, it's a change. It's a it's a flip. Um, so so that's a, that's a thing. I wish there was.
2: I wish there was more, and I wish just, it went higher. just smash cut to Planet of the tresks
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it turns out that that last hidden sixteenth world. Uh, connected to the Radiant Citadel was the planet of the Taras all along, and the only reason they haven't come through is because they're just too big to squeeze in through the through the portal.
3: <laughs> this crystal was actually a Tarass egg. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Perfect. All right. Any other uh, areas of, of skepticism or critique? I don't think so. Okay. Any last thoughts uh, we have? Uh, and if anybody in the stream uh, has questions, obviously some folks have, have, a few folks have asked questions along the way. But if you have questions in the stream, uh, feel free to share those and we will chat about them with what time we have. I, I do have one more question from Matt B on Discord as well. But first, let's get people's last thoughts. I
1: guess one question I have is... Um, Do we happen to know? I never can tell what the criteria is for what is available for uh, D&D, like for people to create other adventures off of it. So is this open to DM's Guild? Yeah,
3: there's um, already some stuff that's been put out on DM's Guild, as well as a free resource pack of free art, which is pretty
2: good. Yeah, yeah, the Journeys Beyond the Radiant Citadel that I'm seeing, Mm. um, which talks about some, some resource pack stuff,
3: and there's already an adventure uh, out uh, so yeah cool. people have already started coming out with stuff for it
1: that's really good particularly for something like this well
0: and then there's these whole completely brand new worlds that could be built up and detailed and added all kinds of stories to um, that are now available so that's, that's yeah. incredible yeah.
1: yeah
0: any other last thoughts
3: I, I uh, really like it. I'm I'm happy to have this on my shelf. It's definitely going to be getting some use, um, you know. As soon as I've got a D and D game again, and my players happen to find themselves falling through some sort of portal, they're probably going to end up in the Radiant Citadel at some point. So uh, I'm really looking forward to to using it at the table. Uh,
2: my my last thought is I want them to release a soundtrack for this. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That could be Very cool. world music kind of soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Although if you uh, wait long enough, I'm sure Serenscape will give you at least soundscapes to to use for each one.
2: Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, that'd
1: be mm-hmm. awesome. and I in the chat talking about how we can now have the Federation, which is the Radiant Citadel, and Westfall, Jemmer. We can have Spelljammer Academy to explore new worlds. So mm-hmm. there you go. we're, we're good. I, yeah. uh, I, uh,
2: giving I, the shield bearers a, a prime directive is not actually the worst idea. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, you, you
0: you will discover uh, why as we go through the end of the episode. But uh, I almost made a Star Trek reference when I wrote the the outro for, for this episode. <laughs> um, I, I stopped with travel to new worlds, but I, I almost went strange new worlds and to bravely go go where no one has gone before. Seek out life. Right. <laughs> <conversations. laughs> I I almost went there
2: except that it's not that they're not new and that's actually really the point
0: right and and that's why i didn't do it It, it, that that felt a little colonial so yeah yeah uh so um the last question i have from from our discord from matt b uh is we were introduced to all these new worlds Mm -hmm. does anybody have a favorite what's your favorite of the new worlds if one of them could be fleshed out to be a whole thing, would you want to?
3: I mean, I really like the world that is um, in Sins of the Elders, which is which is the, um, the Yonido.
0: That's the Korean inspired.
3: Yeah, but I also spent nine months in Korea, so like it felt really comfy to me to see it. I was like, oh, hey, I recognize, <laughs> I recognize a lot of this. Um, so, I'd love to see that get fleshed out a lot more. Um, this one does not have like an area map, though. Like, a lot of the different settings have the the gazetteer, has like you can see the lands around it. This one doesn't. So, hmm. but it's specifically like a single city, so it makes sense instead of being a, a region. Yeah,
2: and it's got a, got a nice city map, though.
3: Yeah. Oh, does that have
2: a. Uh, yeah, page 83
3: oh yeah there it is so never mind yeah it
2: has a map it's only a city map but it's yes. quite a nice city yeah. map yeah so All
1: right. I'm horrible at answering questions like this because I feel like I need to sit with it a little bit more like, right. I did the quick like look through for, for this and look at the art and stuff but mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's where I'm at I, I definitely do not have a favorite of the new worlds yet um, let me dig in more deeply, run some adventures in them. I, I bet I will have one. But right now, um, my first impression is, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not I, I because say, they're
1: bad like, or anything, just like, because I don't know yet. I, I, a yep. favorite a strong word for me. <laughs> mm. um,
2: I am really interested in playing in um, a, a, a like respectful pastiche India setting. And so um, uh, the um, setting in uh, in the mists of uh, Manavarsha mm-hmm. looks really cool to me and very promising. Uh, I think that uh, that might be a thing. Yeah. You know,
0: having spent some time in India, that would be... Uh, I should dig into that one and, and see if I can incorporate that sometime soon. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, that was the river, rain, right? Uh,
2: I'm sorry.
1: Oh, the my my screen's gonna be blurry. i 126. The uh, river. Um, God, I can't Oh
3: yeah, that that art's
2: gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The, I mean, the the art is all incredible. It's very color saturated. Yeah. And it, it's
3: just incredible. Is it on? Yeah. And the the um the character on one twenty six, it's very uh Yeah. It very much appeals to the female gaze, as they would say. Instead of the male gaze, because it's he's got a really nice, like toned form that's not like the the Thor over muscled
0: Right.
1: The swimmer body versus Exactly uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Near church Near church
2: well, <laughs> well,
3: I, and that adventure is really cool because it has this massive flood like flood the city and that could be a really cool encounter
1: I, I just have to share it real quick because like there's been studies about this and 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 physiques and things like that and I shared the study once and people like particularly men were very angry at me they're like no those women are just confused and like <laughs> oh you're you've been taught things that are not yeah. true. <laughs> but anyways.
0: <laughs> and why would they get mad at you? You're you didn't write the study.
1: I didn't write the study.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, I assume you didn't write the study.
2: Maybe you did. No. <laughs> it's it, it, it's classic kill the messenger, Jeff. I don't right. know what to tell
0: you. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, unless anybody has anything else, I'm going to go ahead and call that the end of this episode.
1: I'd like to say uh, thank you to our listeners who support us by becoming patrons at patreon.com slash the show this is james delicio hyperlexic jill sanders leonard peltier doug palmer michael harrison and jonathan venden i also like to thank our guests Brandis and mark Brandis, where can folks find you
2: you can find me on twitter at Brandis stoddard uh, i write for tribality.com uh, my personal website is com and I have a Patreon that is Brandis Stoddard. And Mark, where
1: can folks find
3: you? You can find me on Twitter, at Mark Meredith. Um, I'm also on TikTok, at uh, DiceMonkeyGames, and I do still have DiceMonkey.net, but it hasn't been updated in like a year, because I'm uh, I've been working on my Kickstarter, and I figured I should probably be focused on that
0: right on alright if you want to get a hold of the show you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com you can find me on twitter I am at squash Tracy is at SarahDarkMagic that's Sarah with an H Uh, and the show is at The Tome Show we are also on Facebook and we have a discord uh, server you can come hang out with the awesome folks over there
1: and that's our surprise round episode, where we travel to new worlds through floating gems as we looked at journeys to the Radiant Citadel in this episode of... Pluttoe!
2: I'm off the wall!